It's good to be in God's house today. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 1. It's kind of unique. Uh, Sometimes I do preach the same sermons twice, but it's usually that I've preached it here and I go somewhere else and, and, and preach the same sermon, but it's, it's rare for me to preach something somewhere else and then come back home and, and preach the same message, but um, just could not get my mind off of this. This is also um, going to be our theme uh, at TCPS this year for our whole year, so been doing a lot of study on it this summer and on this concept of uh, fear and faith. And so the title of the message this morning is From Fear to faith, and we're going to focus on 2 Timothy 1 7, but we need to get our context, uh, and we'll read verses 1 through 7 of 2 Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, And I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So as we said, our focus is going to be on verse 7. But we need to kind of spend a moment to gain an understanding of the concept. There's, there's going to be four points in this message this morning. And if you know we're focusing on verse 7, they're probably not too hard to figure out. There's the spirit of fear, and then of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. So that's going to be our four, four big lessons that we want to learn from verse 7. But really, there's only two big overarching concepts. There is the spirit of fear, and then there's the proper response to that. And that's power, love, and a sound mind. So it really kind of splits into two sections, fear and faith. So if we began reading at verse 7, and we ended reading at verse 7, our understanding of this verse would still have a lot to do with faith. But that word is not in there. So we have to kind of go back in the context to understand this role of faith uh, in, in the text. So in verse 5, Paul says here to Timothy, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So not our our text this morning, not, not the main point of the message, but just can't help but at least mention this. Isn't that awesome that Timothy comes from a family of faith? And so many of us in here come from families of faith. Paul said that he remembers the faith of Timothy's mother and his grandmother. 
And then he makes this really interesting observation. He said, I'm persuaded that it's in you too, that I'm persuaded by what I've seen in you, by the fruit that I've seen, that it's a real and true faith in you as well. Well, the, the first kind of side point on that is young people. Isn't that amazing that because Timothy was a younger man, Paul's able to look at his life and say, I'm convinced you're a person of faith. So just think about that. Um, what would people say about you? What would others who observed your manner of life, would they say, I'm, I'm persuaded, I'm convinced that you have a real and a true faith? That's a great testimony to Timothy that Paul was able to say that. So think about that in your own life. Secondly, what a blessing it is for children to be able to follow in the footsteps of a faithful family. So those of us who are, uh, have children and older and have young people that are following us, what a blessing it was for Timothy that he had people in his family he was able to follow and able to look up to in the faith and able to emulate. So a legacy of faith in his family. That's a great blessing. It's a, it's a greater value than anything else we can leave behind for our family. You know, we can work our whole lives. We might leave behind a pretty good fortune. We might leave behind, you know, a, a home or, or a, a bunch of stuff or a bunch of money to our... But of much more value than that would be to leave a legacy of faith for our children and our grandchildren behind us. Now, I do want to put one qualifier on that. Timothy's faith was not passed down to him from his grandmother to his mother and then to Timothy. Did you know that? We don't, we don't inherit our faith. Our faith is our faith, and it's between us and God. God does a supernatural work on you just like he did in the rest of your family. So... Uh, we don't believe that that's a gene that's passed down from our parents to uh, their children and so on and so on. Uh, it's, not, it's not something that was passed down to him from his family. But while at the same time, what a great blessing when that you have that uh, in a family. Timothy, Timothy's faith was no, uh, just the same miracle work of the Holy Spirit that yours and I, ours are today. So the Holy Spirit did a work in Timothy. And that's where his faith uh, comes from. So in verse 6 then, Paul says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hand. So first he talks about Timothy's faith. He makes that the issue. He says, I'm persuaded that you're a, a man of faith. So now in verse 6 he's saying, you need to stir that up. Um, you, need, you need to kind of rekindle that fire that's in you. Now, from the top, I want to say, I don't believe that can completely go away. I don't believe that. But it can get stronger and weaker uh, in our life. I don't believe, if you have the, we'll just use fire as an example. If you have the fire of faith in your life, I don't believe that that fire ever completely goes out. It can get really dim. It can get, you know, where it's, it's almost unseeable. But it's still there, and it can be rekindled, and, and it can be, and so what we want to do, and I think this is what Paul's telling him, we want to add some wood to the fire, and we want to get the billows out, and we want to put some air in there and get that thing hot. And that's what he's telling Timothy to do. He's telling him to rekindle that fire, to, to uh, not be uh, ineffective and sluggish and unsteady in his walk because of fear. And that's what he's going to get to in the next. Instead, he wants him to... Um, rekindle that fire in his life or in the words of that he says uh, wherefore i put thee remembrance that thou stir up the gift of god which is in thee by the putting on of my hand so paul begins uh, 
by talking about faith. So faith is going to be a big part of our message, even though the word faith doesn't uh, exist in, in verse 7. So now let's dive into our text. In uh, verse 7, he says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So he begins this verse with a reminder for us about the origin of our fear. God hath not given us the spirit of fear. This is not something that is of God. So if it's not of God, where does it come from? It comes from the world. It's, it's, it's a worldly thing. So God hath not given us the spirit of fear. There should be a difference in the demeanor of believers from those who are not believers in Jesus Christ. Our reactions to world events, trials, tribulations, troubles should not be the same as those who do not possess the faith that Paul talk about, talked about in the preceding verses. I'm going to preach my whole sermon in the first paragraph, but, but really this this simple. Paul's saying if you have faith, you're going to react differently. That God, the, the fear that you feel, is that's not coming from God. Your faith is what comes from God. And, and there's going to be one of those two reactions to these things in your life. You're going to react in fear or you're going to react in faith. Now, before you tune me out completely, uh, I'm not preaching to you a fantasy this morning that in every situation always the believer is going to react with faith and the unbeliever is going to react in fear. Um, we could all raise our hand in here today and say within the past day, most likely, in one way or another, we've reacted in fear instead of faith. We do it a lot. So I'm not telling you that if you're a true believer, you're going to always react with faith and not fear. It's not true at all. <coughs> what, what the truth is is that we don't have to react in fear anymore. We can react in faith. We have the power to do that through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So like I said, I'm going to preach my whole sermon in the first paragraph, but hopefully as we unpack this, that will become more evident. That's the, that's the basis of what we're going to talk about today. So the question then becomes, not are you ever afraid or do you ever react in fear, but instead are you walking in fear or walking in faith? What is the general pattern of your life? And in those places where you're walking in fear, what can you do then to start walking in in faith. So let's talk about fear for just a minute. There's different types of fear, and there's some fear that's natural, and there is some types of fear that are God-given. Did you know that? There's some God-given fear, and it's a good thing. So let me give you an example. Let's say we all decide to take a church trip up to the Memphis Zoo, and Sister Gigi falls in the lion cage, okay? She just falls in. She's leaning over trying to get a better look. She falls in, She's probably going to be afraid, all right? I, I would be. I'm not, I'm not picking on her. I would be afraid. Is that natural? Yes. What is it? It's that you value your life, and you know that it's in danger at the moment, and you're trying to get out. So that's a natural fear. God put that in us to help us to, uh, you know, for us to survive, okay? So that's a natural fear. That's not the kind of fear that he's talking about here. Okay, because this is one of those verses, just like um, so many verses are. And, and you know, I'd, I'd rather people quote verses and, and kind of maybe misapply them or put them on their shirt. I'd rather them be out there, even if it's kind of a little bit of a misunderstanding than not. So I have a shirt with this verse on it, so I'll just go ahead and tell you. But there's a verse that says, I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. Just completely taken out of context and completely people use it to justify crazy stuff, okay? This verse is the same way. God has not given me a spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind. So I'm going to walk a tightrope across Niagara Falls. That is not what this verse means at all. It doesn't mean just go do whatever you want because you're not supposed to have any fear because God hath not given you that fear. That is not true at all. It's not what the verse means. So the kind of fear that we're talking about in our text is a fear that's really the opposite of faith. The spirit of fear is kind of the opposite of faith. It is a spiritual fear. It's a spirit of fear is the way Paul says it. It's a spirit of fear. Do we walk in fear? Do we walk by faith? So some of the questions then we can ask is, do we fear men? Now, the answer to that question for everybody in this room to one extent or another is yes. We do fear men many times. Do we fear trials? Yes. We don't, a lot of times, you know, we don't just say, well, bring on the trial. I'm ready for it. I'm excited about it. Do we fear death? Now, there's a question. None of us want to think about that. But do we fear death? Uh, These are all questions that are related to our walk or manner of life in this world. So Paul tells us that this type of fear does not come from God. It is of the world. But like I told you, we're not going to do this perfectly. We're going to have those fears. And this is something that I didn't mention the first time I preached this text, but I think it's important. Brother Jeff mentioned it uh, today when he was taking the prayer request. Did you know that you don't need dying grace until you're dying? And did you know that you don't need grace for a particular trial until you go through that trial? We can spend a lot of time worrying about things that we're not in yet. And God's going to take care of us for that when that time comes. So if you're, you know, in here this morning, you say, man, he said, you know, do we fear death? That's a, that's a tough one. And you start worrying about it. And I just don't know how I would react. God will take care of you when that time comes. So these are all questions that we all ask. So then does the believer ever experience these fear and even walk in them at times while they're here on the earth well the answer to that we've already established today is yes but here's the good news and this is the best news of this whole message this morning is that i can tell you from the word of god that yes these fears are real yes we do walk in them sometimes but we can overcome these fears god has given us his spirit and he's given us power love and a sound mind so that we don't have to walk in these fears not by our own strength but through faith in christ and through the working of the holy spirit in us that's how we overcome uh, these fears now i i can't help but use uh peter as an example of this and we're going to talk about him just a little bit but we just preached through john 20 and 21 and you remember in john 21 peter he went he went he did, made a big journey from fear to faith in that chapter he was afraid you remember he denied christ Uh, he was afraid of men he was afraid to lose his life he was afraid of what all would happen to him and jesus had to come to him and so we see in his life that fear and then his journey towards walking in faith so i'll just mention him for now we're going to go back to him later and and see kind of how that progressed in his life but this spirit of fear is something that I believe it's time for us to really start thinking about in our country because we are facing some things where we're going to have to take some stands that are not going to be very popular. Um, We're not going to be looked at as good people even. Isn't that weird? 
Stand on the truth, and you'll be called a bigot. Stand on the truth, and you'll be called intolerant. Uh, these words are going to be used. We're going we're to be called people who use hate speech because we stand on the truth. So some of these issues are, and this is just a few, there's others, the LGBTQ agenda, critical race theory, humanism, secularism. We've been battling those for a long time, haven't we? Relativism. That's a, that's a relatively new one, uh, and I did that on purpose. It's relatively new, rel- relativism. But that one, uh, it, in modern thought, has become a big problem. Relativism is that, you know, everything is relative. It's your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. There is no objective standard. It's just whatever you believe is true, that's good for you. Whatever I believe is true is good for me. That's not true. <laughs> there is an objective truth that we all should hold to, and some people are wrong, and some people are right. And the closer you stay to the Bible, the more you'll be right, and the farther you get away from the Bible, the more you'll be wrong. And this culture has gotten so far away from the Bible that they're wrong a lot. And that's what we're battling. So when we say, when we talk about the spirit of fear and this battle that's going on, that's the kind of battle that we're talking about. It's a battle for the mind and the heart of God's people. So Uh, As we think about that, uh, Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So I, I wanted to read that just right in the front because what I'm preaching to you today is not for you to gird up yourself and get ready and fire yourself up and start fortifying your own self to go to battle over fear. If you do that, you're going to lose. You're going to lose really bad. It's not going to be a pretty fight. God has to fight for us. He has to give us the strength, and we have to do it the way that he told us to do it. We don't, we don't do this in our own strength. He says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, I will uphold thee. Where's the focus of that verse? On God. It's all about God. So that's where our focus has to be as well. Hebrews 13, 6 says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So this fear of man, that's what we're talking about when we say the Spirit of fear. And once again, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So it comes down to, I remember Brother Tim Cannon one time did a whole series of sermons on approved unto God or approved unto man. Which camp do you want to be in? Do you want to be approved by God or do you want to be approved by man? Because in most situations, those things don't go together in a lot, in a lot of ways. It, usually if you're approved by man, you're on shaky ground being approved by God and vice versa. So we have that uh, dichotomy uh, to look at. So in Hebrews thirteen six, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now, one little tag on the end of this. Did you know that fear is contagious? Fear is contagious. It really is. And so this is a, I'm, I'm saying this for anybody in here who's in a position of leadership, whether you're just the head of your house, whether you're a pastor whether you have some leadership position in your secular work, leaders need to be really careful because fear 
is contagious. Deuteronomy 20, verse 8 says, And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. So they're about to go into battle, and they tell the captains, you go out and you tell all the men, if you're scared and you're faint-hearted, you need to go home <laughs> because the other soldiers will see you being scared and it'll make them scared, and then we're in trouble. So if you're faint-hearted, you just need to go home. We need the real men to stay and fight the battle. So as leaders, we had better get this right, and we had better not show fear, and we had better um, be men of faith, and we better step out and do what God tells us to do or that is contagious. It'll trickle down into those who follow us. So we have to be very careful about not being um, given to a spirit of fear. Now, once again, I'll say this one more time, then we're going to move on. We're not going to do that perfectly. We're going to have fear. We're going to show fear sometimes, uh, and, and we need to fight against that. Now, so then if we've established what the spirit of fear is, where it comes from, it's not of God, it's of the world, kind of that this, this battle about our minds and our hearts, it's those questions about do we fear men, trials, do we fear death, do we walk in faith or do we walk in fear. Then the second half of this verse is the response to that. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So we're going to take each one of those, power, love, and a sound mind, and see our response to the spirit of fear. So how do we walk in faith and not fear? The first answer is we walk in power. So let's think about these things together in the context of those questions that we asked. We walk in power. How, what does that mean? What kind of power do we possess that can help us walk by faith overcome the fear of man, overcome the fear of trials, and ultimately even overcome the fear of death. Well, first of all, it certainly is a spiritual power. It's not a physical power. It's a, it's a spiritual power, and we can only receive it in one way. There's only one way you can have this kind of power, and that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit taking abode in his people. Uh, Luke 24 49, let's turn there. Luke 24 and verse 49. In Luke 24, 49, we read the words of Jesus, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. That's a pretty amazing verse, isn't it? Because we know what's about to happen after that. These apostles who we all struggled with as we went through the Gospel of John, you remember they, you know, they just, it's like Jesus kept telling them, and then, you know, it's like they didn't, just didn't understand, and then Jesus would tell them again, they didn't understand, and, and then when the time came and, and Jesus was arrested, they all scattered. Peter denied he was living in fear. They were all living in fear. There's going to be a pretty big change that's going to happen to these men. They're, they're going to be very different as we begin to read the book of Acts. They're going to come real bold. They're going to begin to speak plainly 
And they're not going to worry about consequences. They're not going to have the fear of men anymore. And that's not because they read a self-help book in between that previous time. and the, It's because the Holy Spirit came on them. And, and the Holy Spirit gave them boldness. So it's the Spirit of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. I'm not going to turn that to read, to read that, but you know that text. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He dwells in his people. So because of that, we have spiritual power uh, that we can turn to. Uh, Acts 1.8 and Acts 2, 1-4 um, give examples of these men who previously really didn't have this kind of boldness, and we see just great boldness among the apostles. Uh, Acts chapter 4, you remember Peter and John, they were going and going to the temple and they healed the man, then they're on trial for it. And when the people saw him, they said, where did these guys come from? How these ignorant and unlearned men, they must have been with Jesus. So at least they were smart enough to know that Jesus was the effect on these men. How in the world is this possible? The boldness. When they were on the trial. Now this is the same Peter who when he was asked, do you know this man? Are you one of his followers? I don't even know this man. He had denied him. Now he says, I don't care what you do to me. You decide whether it's better for us to obey you or obey God. That's pretty bold when you're on trial. Just to say, you know what? You don't have any authority over me. I'm going to keep preaching whether you tell me to or not. And then you just decide whether it's better for me to obey God or obey you. That was pretty bold. That's the statement that they made in Acts chapter 4. So we see a big change in these men. John Gill said it this way. On the phrase, but of power, in this text, this was his commentary. And such is the Spirit of God, who is called power from on high, by which the minds of Christ's servants are fortified against reproaches and persecutions for his sake and are strengthened to resist Satan's temptations, the spirit of fear, to endure hardness as good soldiers of Christ, to quit themselves like men in opposition to false teachers, and to do the will and the work of God. So what Paul is doing is he's saying, you're going to resist this spirit of fear, and, and the power to do that, let me tell you where that comes from. That's, the, that's the, also the spirit of power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So uh, that's where our strength to be able to resist the spirit of fear and walk in faith comes from. It's not on our own. Um, and, and I don't want to take a rabbit trail, and, and I hope I don't, because it's, it's hard not to on this. But that's the difference in our doctrine and other people's doctrine. Did you know that? There's even a doctrinal tie-in on this. We don't believe that it's of our own strength and our own power that we believe in the first place. And so we definitely don't believe that it's in of our own strength and our own power that we are able to resist and continue to work out that faith in our life. It is, it is empowered by the Holy Spirit in us. Without him, we would fail. Uh, we are weak. We are dead. He makes us alive. And he continues that life in us and continues to work. Uh, it reminds me of uh, Philippians 1.6. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it. He will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he continues to work in his people. So reminds me of John chapter 21 again. You remember Peter. When Peter tried to do it in his own strength, what happened? He didn't catch a thing. 
He decided he was going to go fishing. He didn't get anything done. He didn't catch anything. He was lost at sea, um, didn't know what to do, and then Jesus showed up, and, and he uh, straightened that out. But it reminds me of him a lot. Colossians 1, if you'll turn there, Colossians 1, verses 10 and 11 that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So walk worthy of the Lord. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. So to walk worthy of the Lord, where does that power come from? It comes from, in verse 11, strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power. So we have the power of God living in us through the Holy Spirit. Then a very familiar verse to you, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You want to know where fear comes from? Circle verse 12 in your Bible. If you want to know where the spirit of fear comes from, just circle that verse. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where the spirit of fear comes from. And so we're to put on the whole armor of God to battle against that. And it's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. Our power to walk in faith instead of fear comes from above. It comes from the Holy Spirit. So that's our first answer to this, um, walking in the spirit of fear, is of power. Paul says we have power. Secondly, he says we have love. So how do we walk in faith instead of fear? We walk in love. Now, this is a really, really important concept for us to really understand how to, how to walk in faith instead of fear. Because you see, our fear is a product of, of what we value most. You may never have thought about it in that way. Our fear is a product of what we value most. So you may be afraid of losing your job. You may be afraid of losing your money. You may be afraid of losing your family or your reputation or your acceptance by others. Think that bothers teenagers a little bit. They may value that a little bit, acceptance by others. Losing our health or, of course, eventually even we, you know, losing our job. Those are things that we fear. We value those things, and that's not wrong, unless we value them more than Jesus. Okay? So, this is, I told you, this is the key concept. It is okay to value your job. You should value your job. It's okay to even value money. We have to have that to live and to provide for our families. It's okay to value your family, your reputation. It's even okay to, uh, you know, value our health, our lives. Those things we should value, but we shouldn't value any of those things above Jesus Christ. That's a hard question, folks. I'm not going to say it's not. That is a hard question. So do you value your life more than you value Jesus Christ? What a tough question. You know, read Fox's Book of Martyrs. 
And, and these, these people, that, that wasn't a hypothetical question for them. It was a real question. I can recant and I can save my own life. But then I'm going to have to live with the fact that I denied the faith. I denied my Savior, Jesus Christ. And so many of them said, I will not recant. They valued Jesus as higher than they valued their own life. So we value these things, and that's not wrong, but that's where our fear comes from because some of those things can be taken away. Did you know that? And did you know that there are powers in this, this world that are looking to do that to make you afraid? Your fears uh, come from those things, and it's all about what you value. On the other hand, love is also about what we value, right? It's the same, it's the same thing kind of on the other side of the coin. What is it that we value most? That's the things that we love. So if we love Jesus as we should, he's going to be at the top of that list. Then everything else falls below. And so none of these things should be able to be used against us to affect our love for Jesus Christ because it is paramount in our life. So if we love Jesus as we should and we obey and serve him as we should, then our fears become less and less and less. Isn't that amazing? And I think we see that naturally take place. Have you ever been around an older believer who's really been through all the battles and, and they're nearing death and, and, man, it just seems like they're not afraid of anything in the faith. And it's because to them, they, they've, they've been through a lot, but they love Jesus and they're ready to see him and it, it, their fears are very minimal. Um, they don't fear death. They don't fear losing anything. They don't fear their health. They don't... That all of those fears are gone, and the closer they get, and then ultimately one day all fear will be gone because we'll be, in, we'll be without sin, and then we will perfectly love Jesus Christ. That's when all fear will be gone. So then at that, at that stage, if we love Jesus as we should, we obey and serve him as we should, what then can man do to the believer? What really can they do to us? They can take away our job, possibly. They can take away our reputation. They can take away our health. They can take away a lot of things, but they can't take away the love that Jesus Christ has for his people and our love for him. Uh, so what can they do to us if that is the case? Deuteronomy 6, 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. If you do that, and you did it perfectly, which you can't, but if you do that, you're going to have very little fear in your life. If you love Jesus Christ with all of your heart, your soul, and I'll put in the New Testament version with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you do that, you would have very little fear in your life. So on this subject of walking in faith instead of fear and the relationship of love to this, you remember in John 21, I'm not going to go back there because we just, we just preached this message here, and I know it's still familiar to you. Isn't it interesting, though, what did Jesus focus on when Peter had reacted in fear and then now he's confronting him. What was the question that he asked him? Do you love me? That was the question. He said, this, this fear that you've got, Peter, we're going to deal with this right now. Do you love me? Do you really love me? <laughs> then, you know, he just kept asking the question over and over again. So that ought to be a signal to us how important love is in this equation. Now, let's turn to 1 John and we'll wrap up the section on love and, and move on to our last point. But First John has some important, important things for us to see about this concept of loving Christ and how it affects our fear. 
Because just to love Jesus, it means something. There's, there's things behind that that I think are also important when we talk about that relationship to fear. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. That's pretty important. Okay, so can you just say, well, I love God. Now, I'm not going to do anything he says. <laughs> I'm not going to obey his word. I'm not going to do what he tells me to do. I'm not going to follow his commandments, but I love God. First John, the whole book pretty much tells you that's not true. <laughs> that is not true at all. If you love him, you'll keep his commandments. You'll do what he says. There's other things, too, but we want to focus on that. So how does that relate to, our, to what we're teaching here about fear? Well, it's not just that you love God, it's that you obey Him. If you obey God and you do what He says, your fear will decrease. Your fear will go down. If you're being an obedient servant of God, you will have boldness that you've never known before. And the more obedient you are, I think, the more boldness you get and the, more, and the lack of fear that you get, the more obedient that we are. And that comes from our love for God. Our love and our obedience uh, are tied together. 1 John four nineteen. They're pretty close to that. We love him because he first loved us. So just a reminder that in this concept, where does our love for God come from? It comes from God. <laughs> it comes from God. He loved us, and we love him. We love him because he first loved us. So Paul has said that for us to overcome the spirit of fear, there's power that we get from God through the Holy Spirit. There is love that also comes from God and is about value and what we value. And if we get that straight, we're going to have a lot less fear. Then fourth, he says, a sound mind. So how do we walk in faith instead of fear? We walk with a sound mind. Now the definition of that is to, a sound mind is sobriety, moderation, temperance, purity, and honesty. It's only used in this place in Scripture. That's it. It's never, that word is never used in any other place in Scripture. Um, and it means safe-minded or issuing in prudent or sensible behavior that fits a situation. In other words, aptly acting out God's will by doing what he calls sound reasoning. So sensible here means from God's viewpoint, not the world's wisdom. So when we say sensible, it's not what the world would do. It's sensible from the sense of what God's word tells us to do. So it means doing the prudent or sensible thing according to the will of God revealed through his word. Uh, now, that's a, that's a tough concept. I do think that this is kind of the balance to uh, sometimes what we might think of as acting um, without fear. So uh, it's not of God to act foolishly, recklessly, or without thought to how what you're doing affects others. That's not of God. And this is the balance to not having a spirit of fear. You know, boldness even needs a balance to it. <laughs> we, we're not to be so bold uh, that um, we're acting recklessly or foolishly. So 1 Peter 1.13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins, the loins, prepare it for battle, engage it, do not let it remain in a casual state, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That, that phrase, be sober, is very similar to what we have of a sound mind. So he says, gird up the loins 
of your mind. And I kind of, you know, commented on that right in the middle while I was reading the verse. But what that means, it means to kind of prepare yourself either for work or for battle. To kind of prepare yourself. Get ready. Have the mind engaged. Did you know that you really need to think about <laughs> these things when you go out? This is something, if, you, if a Christian gets in casual mode, we're in trouble. Um, we, we cannot be in neutral. We have to be moving forward because if we're not, there is no neutral. If we're not moving forward, we're going to be backsliding. So we need to gird up the loins of our mind and prepare it. Um, I would say going into a school year this year for students, you need to gird up the loins of your mind. You need to prepare for that ahead of time. You need to be thinking about it. You need to get your mind active and engaged. That's what that means in, in 1 Peter 1.13. Um, this means, like we said, doing that prudible, prudent, sensible thing. Um, and this is the balance to that thought of not having a spirit of fear. So not having a spirit of fear does not mean we have a license to act foolishly or without a proper motive. Romans 12.2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that, it may, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I think this is the concept that Paul's talking about here. Don't be conformed to the world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that sound mind uh, that is focused on the, the perfect will of God for your life. Knowledge and wisdom are, are also really important to this concept of a sound mind. Because what a sound mind is, is someone who takes the situation and applies properly the truth of God to that situation. Now, how do you get there? How, how are you able to do that? Well, you're going to have to know what the truth of God is, right? That's a starting place. You've got to know what the Word of God says. And so for us to be able to do that, knowledge and wisdom in the Word of God are important. The principles and precepts we learn in scriptures keep us from falling into the snares of the world <coughs> that lead us to surrender to the spirit of fear in our lives. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose what? Whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So this is an active thing that we have to do. I think that's the biggest point I like to get across in this, is that your mind has to be active in this fight. You have to be aware. Satan is looking for a way to get in, and when he does, he'll wreak havoc. So we have to actively be thinking about That's what, when Paul says a sound mind is a, is a weapon against the spirit of fear, um, it's, it's that concept, whose mind is stayed on thee. You want peace in your life? Peace is the opposite of fear, right? If you want perfect peace, your mind will be stayed on the Lord. The minds of our young people today in America are, are being absolutely assaulted with liberal thought, liberal theology, worldly philosophies, many other lies of Satan. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest with you. It, it just disturbs me sometimes because I've got a lot of young people that I'm friends with on social media because either they went to my school or I know them through sports or things like that. And some of the things they post, I think, I know what church you go to. I know your family. I know the way you were raised. How in the world do you think that? <laughs> it's just amazing. It's, they have really been, Satan's gotten a lot of inroads into on some of those same issues that we were talking about earlier. The minds of our young people in America are being absolutely assaulted. And so we need to be teaching and preaching and helping them 
uh, to understand what this concept of a sound mind is and equipping them with answers from the Word of God so that they can react in the right way to all of those things because that brings about fear in your life. Those things, it's, it's fool's gold. Those philosophies bring about fear. I mean, you live in America today, you think about it. If you say something, I mean, people can just at the drop of a hat, this cancel culture stuff, I mean, they will, they'll annihilate you <laughs> for saying one thing, and, and usually something that's true even. Um, so there is a, a lot of fear about speaking out about anything. No one's willing to speak up because uh, of uh, what might happen. And so uh, uh, to be able to do that, we've got to know that what we're saying is the truth. And I think that's a lot of what Paul says here when he says of a sound mind, that we know the truth and we speak the truth. And so the answer to those things is that we teach the word of God. We teach the proper view of these things and show them that it's the truth. Uh, and then the man who reads and understands the word of God will guard his mind from the evil of the world and from the ideas that lead to fear and to lapses of faith. There's a, a real popular Christian song, Fear, He is a Liar. Well, it's absolutely the truth. Most of these things that Satan is bringing to the, the forefront of your mind, they're lies. They're not true. Uh, there's no truth to them, but yet he can present it in such a way that it makes it seem that way. So we need to know the real truth. The way you combat a lie is to tell the truth, right? And the, way, and the way to get to the truth for a Christian is to get in the Word of God. This is our source of truth. Now, I have my opinions. Um, I have my political beliefs, all of those things. And I think some of those things are really important. And there's some things that we don't know uh, absolutely, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt. But what we do know is what's in this book. This is what's most important. And the things that God tells us in his word, we need to stand on those things. That needs to be the basis of us having a sound mind and combating these philosophies of the world that lead to a spirit of fear. So as we close, we think about our, 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 whole, our whole verse here. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you are living in a life of fear and you are a believer, you don't have to do that. That's the good news. God has given you power over that. Greater is he, John, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When Jesus went to the cross, he not only paid for your sin. Did you know that there's something else he accomplished there too? He also broke the power of sin over you in your life. He broke the power of sin. So you have the power through the Spirit in you, to overcome these things. It then becomes a matter of discipline for us to then be disciplined to do these things, to, have, to know of our power, know of uh, love, and know of a sound mind and take advantage of those things in our life. So as you start school this year, um, we've got several people starting school. We've got several people starting new jobs in new places. Let's all strive together to keep walking in faith and not in fear. That's another thing that Satan doesn't count on. Did you know that? That you're not alone in the battle? Did you know that you don't have to face all of those things by yourself? That's why God gave us the church. We kind of collectively face these things together, what strength there is in that. So we need to pray for each other, pray for power, pray for love, pray for sound minds as we walk in faith, trusting our Savior to see us safely through the difficulties, trials, persecutions, and 
persecutions and all the things that Satan will attempt to make us retreat into fear. And ultimately, for any of you here this morning who have never been baptized, never professed faith in Jesus Christ, you want peace in your life? You want freedom from fear in your life? Profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Profess Him before men. Trust Him. Live for Him. Join with His people. Be baptized. You'll experience a peace and a freedom from fear. That is, that's the only way it can be found, uh, that kind of peace, by repenting of your sins and following Jesus Christ. I hope you'll do so today.